Hello, welcome to Shaken Not Stirred. I'm Richard Smith, I'm joined by Nick Long. Hello. And we're going to talk about the Bond films. This is something I've been itching to do maybe since I started podcasting. Really? That long? Yeah, this is a joyous day for me. And, and so what we're going to do... I'll is... try not to ruin it for you then, Rich. Oh, you'll be fine. I expect <laughs> you to enhance the experience. Oh, oh. I'll try not to ruin it for you then, Rich. Once upon a time, <laughs> I was prepared to do this show on my own. Really? I toyed with the idea of sort of writing it and literally just reading out what I'd written. Like monologue style? Yeah. The Richard Smith monologues. Oh, I like that. I should do that. Remember that. Write that that down. Okay. Um, But what I also wanted to do was sort of maybe the thing that I wrote, put them together as chapters in a book and then do an online book thing. And then I'd have written a book about the Bond films. I didn't do that, obviously. (laughs) So here we are, sort of eight and a half years after starting podcasting, doing the Bond films. So... Why why is it taken so long, Rich? Is it because people just didn't want to do the show with you, or...? That was an element. I mean, it's... I don't know. There, there's always been something else to do, I think. And then there's the case of finding someone else to do it with me and all kinds of things. We're only just getting things together, which rather depresses me a little bit, but it's not since we started this sort of series production and all that kind of thing now we're really getting going and so we can do stuff like this it's awesome excellent so then dr no the first one i should say what we're actually going to do don't expect this series to run forever and ever there are only so many bond films (laughs) official bond films as well right yeah although i'm willing to do never say never again at some point but maybe we should do the official chronology and then yeah go back and do the other ones Maybe that's a special we do in a year or so. I don't know. It's, it's a terrifying prospect. Like I said to you earlier, I'm recording this coming off the back of watching Star Trek Nemesis and Star Trek Insurrection. And to immediately get into an enthusiastic conversation about watching Never Say Never Again feels like <laughs> I'm, I'm just doing it to myself on purpose there. So, Doctor No. Doctor No. Doctor No, the very first Bond film. Released on the 5th of October, 1962. This is such an old film for me to like so much. Isn't it? What, what, that's like... How long ago is that? I can't even do that, Matt. That's 51, 51 years ago. Years. yeah. Holy shit. I work on the basis that I got the 50th anniversary box set for Christmas, so 51 years. Come October. That's, that's a, incredible. Th- there are no other films from the 60s that I enjoy anything like as much. No. And I think, I don't think I'd be out of place if I said there were no films from the 60s that are as popular as these. No, I, I think that's a, a fair enough statement. I mean... I can't think of any off the top of my head. Just to get your head around the, the, how important this character in these films are, there is a Sky Movies 007 that just plays these James Bond films 24 hours a day. It's amazing, isn't it? I, I, I love it. It saves me getting the Blu-rays out of the box. But it, it's just such an incredible level. There are no other characters. There's not a Harry Potter channel or anything else. I mean, they are actually playing with the channels that they have because there's a superhero one coming out and yeah, various yeah. things like that. But just to dedicate an entire channel to one character 
and one series of films is just unheard of. And that may well be happening in other countries around the world, I'm not aware. Um, so we start in 1962. Uh, we have Sean Connery, obviously. The Star original. Wars. The original. Many would say the best. Many would. I think I might. Hmm. I, th- I think I might say the best. See, you've kind of scuppered my next point, because I was going to say oh, sorry. anyone who said he was the best was, the p- was alive to see that film at the cinema. Why? Well, okay, maybe we should say who your best is then. That's, it's tricky. I, I don't like to pick one, but... I do fluctuate, you know. It, it is between Sean Connery and Daniel Craig, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, the Daniel Craig films are, are completely different kettles of fish in my mind. Completely different. He's, because it, it was the beginning of the reboot, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think then he, having, said, having said that, having said all of that, you know, it's you can't beat a Roger Moore eyebrow raise. <laughs> I, I must admit that is something I have practiced in the mirror. <laughs> but I'm going to claim the defense and you can mark down however minutes it is before I mention Star Trek that what I was doing was a Mr. Spock eyebrow raise. OK, uh, well, it's but- very similar to a Roger Moore eyebrow raise. It is, but you, you mentioned Star yeah. Trek way before this. Oh, did, have I done that? Remember oh, yeah, those I've two done, films that done, you... Sorry, yes, I've done that already. <laughs> done that already. Never mind. Uh, you see, it, it's either... If I had to rank the Bonds, and let's just get this out of the way, straight away, I'm cool. putting Sean Connery slash Daniel Craig in number one, and then number two is the one that, of those two that isn't number one. Right, okay. Number three, Timothy Dalton. Okay. Number four... Roger Moore, and number five, uh, George Lazenby. You've missed one. Who have I missed? Oh, sh- uh, Pierce Brosnan. Well, put him in above Roger Moore. Sorry. I don't, Interesting. I don't, right? Roger Moore was the fun James Bond. He was. He, he, was, he was of the time James Bond, wasn't he? Yeah, and more so than any of the others. I think all those films are the weakest set of films. I think he's the by far the weakest Bond. He was such a... I don't want to say Nancy boy. <laughs> but you just did. But I don't mean it in a... Oh, pretty boy is a much better way of saying it. He was more about, isn't he pretty? Look at him wear this lovely suit. Do and you know... You yeah, I, I kind of get it. Because, you know, with, with Connery, you, you expect if someone does something a bit bad, Connery would be like, oh, you bastard. And Timothy Dalton would probably shoot at them. Jaws Ladenby would cry, but Roger Moore would probably just go, ah. Yeah. I never felt throughout any Roger Moore film that he could conceivably beat someone up. <laughs> that, that was the problem. I, it was, where is Sean Connery? I mean, he, he beat people up for fun in real life. You know, uh, if you haven't read Michael Caine's autobiography, have a read of that, because he used to hang out with Sean Connery, and he yeah. has stories about nights out with Sean Connery where a group of lads would start shouting at him, and Sean Connery would go over and beat the shit out of all of them. Because <laughs> that's what he was like. Um, Amazing. And so when he's, you know, when he's right fighting Robert Shaw at the end of From Russia With Love, that's an awesome little fight. Yeah. Whereas with Roger Moore, you just think, why haven't you killed him already? 
I think also you can tell as well in in the Roger Moore films that a stuntman did most of the uh, most of the stunts and fighting. Exactly. A couple of dodgy wigs in there. Some oh well, I think all of them sort of pre maybe even Pierce Brosnan mm. has, have some very dodgy shots, which I'm sure we'll cover in various films. Um, so that's my. Do you want to order the bonds then? Where are you with it? Um. I don't know. I really don't know because I love them all in their own way. Like each era for me is is almost like a, a subset of of Bond films because the Roger Moore ones are probably the ones I've seen the most. I would say because they were the ones that were played on telly when I was a kid, and um, and my my mum and dad love Roger Moore as an actor, so they're the ones that the family would sit down and watch. But Connery is a he he he. he basically invented the character of Bond, didn't he? Absolutely. He's, he's the epitome of, the, of that character in the films. Timothy Dalton, he, he was the Bond of my era in the 80s. So that's, that's he's my favourite for that reason. But then George Lazenby, I, re- I thought he was, was, wasn't as bad as he gets a bad rep for. I, I agree. I, I think he was in the wrong film, maybe. I think it was a bad example of a Bond film. Um, and he really wasn't all that bad in it. I think it, it would have been awful had they kept Sean Connery in it, that film. It yeah. was just a bad Bond film. It did have some elements that I liked in it. I won't go into them now because there weren't many and we're going to have to do a show on it in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, and, and, But then Daniel Craig, he's done a fantastic job of, the, of rebooting and re-energising the fran- franchise. So... Yeah, and I like Piers Brosnan as well. I, so I, they I, are all perfect for their era. Yeah. And I think yeah. maybe it's just that Sean Connery has held up the best. Yeah, um, I think you're right. And maybe it's just because it was so long ago that it kind of feels almost otherworldly, whereas mm. I can still remember what life was like towards the end of the Roger Moore films actually coming out and remember that it felt, you know, I still remember seeing trailers for these things on TV as a small kid and how it was exciting. And now you look back and go, oh, that was Octopussy. That's rubbish. I will say that, that going back to the Sky Movies 007 channel, the trailer they've got for that is phenomenal. It's one of the best examples of editing many things together. Isn't it? Yeah. I, I can't praise them enough. Whoever did that gets a week off in my book. That's you know just a week, just not uh, not bonus or anything as well, pay rise perhaps a, a just whole a week pay off. rise, <laughs> a whole pay rise. Gosh, why don't you promote them while you're at it? Like, they could become God. like middleweight editor as opposed to junior. But they'll be a really good junior. Oh well, I'd talk it through with them then. Pick your okay. prize from this range of exciting offers. Where were we then? Doctor No. Doctor No. Starring so yeah, Sean Connery. I, I, yeah, not George Lazenby, as my wife thought. No. No, she said, she, she said uh, when we sat down, I said, right, we're watching Doctor No, we're doing this new, new show for Simply Syndicated, so I've got to watch Doctor No. And she said, oh, is that the one with, with George Lazenby? No. no. No, it wasn't. Sean Connery. I think more people would define this as the one with Ursula Andress, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who actually isn't in it for that long. No, not at all. Well, we'll get to her. Let's, let's yeah. start at the beginning. Um, 
So we start off, it's got one of those ambiguous kind of, oh, we'll see an event and then it will be explained kind of beginnings, where we see the guy just getting shot a lot, and the <laughs> radio that catches fire because it got shot. Yes. Which is something that always bugs me in films from the 60s. Things that, don't, that get shot don't just catch fire and explode, but they do in films. We should, we, should, we should go back a little bit, Rich, and talk about the title sequence. Oh, right, the, the flashing dots. Dear God, that went on forever. I hate film opening credits at the best of times, so you're preaching to the choir with that one. It went on forever. I'm, I'm, I'm just running through it right now as we speak. And it, it, it did set a trend. It set a trend for the Bond films, but here we go. We're um, two minutes and 40... Two minutes and 50 seconds before it gets into the film. Is that a long time? I've never timed an opening credit sequence. Well, I mean, it depends. If you think, think about something like Marvel, where they've got the, the comic book stuff at the beginning that recaps the previous iteration of the film, like Spider-Man does. Hmm. But it's just, they put all the credits at the beginning. All of them. Aren't there rules, though, about who has to get a credit and in what order? Because it was when um, George Lucas didn't do that for Star Wars that he got bolloped by the... Uh, DGA, yeah. Direct Guild of America. Yeah, he, he did, which is why he left them and then hired non-union workers. See, if I... Uh, honestly, I hate opening sequences. If I were a director, I'd write everybody's name on a card that had to be on at the <laughs> beginning. Flash it up, done. And now the film. That's, that's just... I don't even like opening credits on podcasts. <laughs> So, but it, yeah, so it starts with these the, the three blind guys, right? Yeah, that's right. With and the, they, the song. With the song. And we should say that this is all set in Jamaica. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, and the guy gets gunned down, and they have this initial scene with the radio exploding. And uh, the woman getting killed straight off the bat. I thought that was a bit harsh. I really feel bad for her every time I watch it. Like, you're just, you're just doing a job. Like, you, may, you might not even know what your boss does. All you're doing is answering the phone. And there you are, shot dead. You might be some, somebody's waiting to pick you up from work later. I, I don't know why. There are certain characters in Bond films where I really do fill out their backstory in my brain. And I feel really bad for them. That they get killed. It's, it's just really sad. <laughs> you know, like they did in Austin Powers. With the, oh, that was Bob. Bob got killed. <laughs> Daddy's not coming home today. Um, so yeah, I always feel that for her. Now then, we then sort of, we have the opening, don't we then have the opening credits with the flashy darts? No naked women at this point. No. I'm forgetting now when the naked women came in. It wasn't long. They were definitely there for Goldfinger, weren't they? It was probably just Goldfinger then. Probably, yeah, probably. Goldfinger. And all oh, that works, put them in. Yeah, and then we got naked women dancing in silhouette for the next 40 years. Bizarre. I've, I must say, I have met the lady who designed, along with uh, another guy, all the opening and closing credit sequences for the Bond films. And she is lovely. She's a lovely lady, so I'm not going to... I don't doubt her as a person. I'm not going to upset anyone by bashing them too much 
I enjoyed them when it got to the 80s and they invented 007 shaped laser pointers and shone them on ladies' boobies. That was fun. <laughs> One in the shape of a gun. Where's it going? Where's it going? Oh, you're not going to see a fanny. There you go. Um, was, we, should, we should also say, are you at work right now, by the way? I am, yeah. Can we, we just admit to everybody where you're sat right now? Because it's, speci- it's only relevant here. It is only relevant here. I'm, I'm sat in my offices at Pinewood Studios, home of James Bond. Just outside your office front door is the wall that Sean Connery crashes his car into in Goldfinger, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, and just round the corner is the actual 007 soundstage. It is, yeah. And in fact, probably about 40 yards just to the right was uh, a couple of sets for uh, Skyfall. They were everywhere, yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 yeah. I, there's, just, there's, there's history here. There's history. I just want to um, give everybody who's listening to this show the same opportunity to be jealous of your workplace that I've had. Really? I'm sat kind in, of you. I'm sat in Howarth. Of course, it's an awesome place to have an office. Of it co- is, yeah. Of course it is. Let's be, let's be honest. Although I should say, today the view from my window is a catering truck. And not even the front of it, it's the back of a catering truck. Oh, that's, that's a shame. It is. Mind you, the, but, the, what, in my yeah. kind of office today, I could see Michael Starr, so. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so right now, I can see a windmill and a valley and everything. This is my, my reward. We, we're having trouble on this one, aren't we? Um, <laughs> James Bond's initial introduction is just one of my favourite scenes in all of cinema. The way and, it's cut together, the way yeah. it happens so very slowly. And you don't, you don't see him uh, at all until he utters his name. Exactly. We start off because he's playing cards in the casino, Baccarat, I believe, which yep. is a, a fantastically simple, straightforward and dull game made famous Isn't only it? by this film. Um, I tried to play it in Vegas. It's like, is that it? <laughs> what? How is there it's more ever... simple than blackjack as well, isn't it? It is. It's like, how does a tense situation ever arise over this game? <laughs> that is the most simple... Do children play this? But anyway, he's playing cards and he's doing the... the it's a shoe, isn't it? A shoe of cards. And yes. All that and we see his hands. That's the first shot. And it sort of just builds up until that initial... When the woman goes, Mr... And it's Bond. Bond. James Bond. And, and the music starts, and you shiver a little bit. And I love that bit. I really do. And this is just what he does. I love the fact that he's a guy that wears a dinner suit just for shits and giggles. That's just how sophisticated he is. You know? Well, it is a black tie party in the casino, so... I assume that was just the dress code for the casino. Yeah. So, he, you know, he hangs out in places that require a black tie. I don't hang out in places that require a black tie. That, automa- that automatically makes me aware that he's better than me in some way. Just switch it up, Rich. Go to work in, in a dinner suit. I might do that. that <laughs> just sit behind your here microphone. in the attic, behind the microphone, <laughs> in a full tux. That's what I should do. I do have a suit. I, I wore it once. I don't know. Um, yeah, we don't go anywhere nice. Don't be silly. Um, (laughs) 
Where were we? But no, no one's no one's introduced except for James Bond at this point. We haven't got a clue who anyone is. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. We're here to talk about this guy, and here he is. the The woman is just a good-looking woman, and all the other people are kind of irrelevant. Just sort of, we get what we're getting is a look at him as a character and what he generally does for fun. And what he does for fun is gamble large amounts of money in very sophisticated <laughs> casinos. You know, he's not. We don't meet James Bond sat at home on the sofa in his underpants. We we meet him in a casino. It's it's a very significant thing because, like I said, I only said it half jokingly. It does let me know that he's better than me in some way. Yeah, because he, he hangs out with a with a, a higher class of person. Yeah, he's sophisticated. He is an English gentleman. And that's the, the part of the essence of the character, that he's smart and sophisticated, but he can pull your fucking head off. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, he gets called in and given his, uh, uh, his mission. In what, yes. be, what becomes a wonderful sort of... Th- there is a, a great structure to these films that begins with this. That every, at the beginning of every film, he's going to go and see M and get his assignment. And then and- the fun begins. I'm I'm pretty sure this is this is probably one of the sets they re- rebuilt over and over again, wasn't it? Get the lift, the door that opens to Universal Exports, which is the the cover company for MI6, and the the secretary's office where where we meet um, Money Penny, and he throws the hat onto the hat stand, has a bit of a back and forth with her, you know, lounging all over her while she's trying to do her work, bit of sexual tension. I think this is a bit that women find creepy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Shell said uh, that she didn't like that he was lounging all over the secretary. Oh, it should, was weird. Hang on, I should show you the thing that I've got to show you. Well, you can <laughs> play you the thing that I've got to play you. All right. Um, because I, I should say, we, uh, we were going to have uh, Karen from Starbase 66 on the show to give the show her unique perspective. Oh, no, I don't have it. Damn. <gasps> Oh no! Do you need me to fill? No, no, I don't. If it's not on my phone, I don't think we're ever going to find it, so I won't go off looking. It was actually a recording of Alison that I was supposed to carry with me to play at the opportune moment, where she tells me to just be quiet and accept that Karen's right. <laughs> why? Why? Why were you? Uh, why were you to play that? Then, because Rich? if you want to start an argument in our house. There are, there are a couple of ways to do it, obviously, but if you really want to get one going what, that makes Alison scream, we start talking about the position of women in James Bond films. <laughs> I've no idea what you're talking about. And, what, well, what tends to happen is that my view varies significantly from Alison's view. And I, we both felt that maybe that's because I'm wrong. And maybe that Alison's views would be similar to Karen's views. And if I were to continue to argue with Karen, I'd just make a scream and wish she could throw things at me, like Alison does. And so it would be better if we just have a re- just a reminder for me to say, let Karen win. She she's right. <laughs> um. So that I was just reminded by the the whole flirting aspect. It wasn't as bad in Doctor No, but no, it, it got wasn't. worse. As she got it older. It definitely did. <laughs> yes. and it then, certainly did. And then by the end, sort of view to a kill sort of era, 
um, it was just these two people, old people, flirting with each other, like seeing grandparents or something. <laughs> and it really wasn't sexy or fun. Really. That's, that's where I am with it. It, it. You know, it's an amusing bit of cinematic history that it was always there, but it, it wasn't always nice. No. Um, so this is perhaps in Doctor No, it's the best it gets, because it's just <laughs> aging from here on in. It is. And the other thing that, that carries over from film to film, and I don't get this, is the cushioned leather door to M's office. You've never seen another cushioned leather door in your life, have you? No. You've never walked into someone's office for a meeting and, oh, nice cushioned leather door you've got there. <laughs> it's never happened. And, and a traffic light system. It, yes. So now, it's, now, it's red when he's busy and then white when he can, he's available to see you. That I can get behind. That, that I can understand. If I had an office, I kind of want that. But the cushioned leather door. And it's a double oh. door as well. Yeah. Well, I imagine it's a security issue. You know, maybe it's soundproofing or something. Well, yeah, because this is M, and you—if he's discussing something in his office with the door closed, you damn well better not be hearing that. You know, although apparently he can hear every word in Money Penny's office, because there's always that Money Penny tell 007 to fuck off and get on with it kind of thing <laughs> just before he's leaving. Um, but yeah, you've never been looking through like an office supply catalogue for some maybe some furniture for your office and seen oh, padded leather door. But but here, and they brought it back for Skyfall as well, didn't they? They did, yeah. Um, let's jump ahead in the story. We get to meet Felix Leiter fairly early on. The most changed character, I would say, in the Bond series. He's in nearly every film. And only played by the same guy. Oh no, because the, there was the dude who played him twice in the Daniel Craig film. So two people have played the character twice. And every other time it's been a different actor. So they always do a kind of surprise with it, don't they? I mean, yeah. the, the, he doesn't always know who Felix... He doesn't know who Felix Leiter is in this film. So when he, they meet, he thinks he's actually being captured and he's in trouble. Um, and they try to bring that back almost for every film because we don't know who Felix Leiter is. Shall I tell you how many people played him? By all means. Seven. That's a Seven l- Felix Leiters. That's actually not as many as I would have thought. Clearly he's not in as many films as I'm remembering. There, was, there are two actors who played him twice. Um, one in 73 and then 89, so they brought someone back. And then um, 2006, 2008, so that must be the um, That's latest the, ones. Yeah. I think it was the, I can't remember his name now, it was the guy who was Felix Leiter in Live and Let Die and uh, Licensed to Kill. David Hedison? That's the one. He played him twice. Um, I hate the scene in the airport in this film, by the way. I know it's only a short scene, but I really hate it because of the soundtrack. It's, well, it's weird, isn't it? Because you don't really know what the hell's going on. And this, all this woman does, this photographer, she licks a light bulb. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which I, is very odd. And then she takes a picture of him arriving. 
Well, she's... So you know someone's watching him, but yes. you don't really know what the hell's going on. I just hate the music. Um, there are two portions to the Bond theme tune, right? There are mm. two different bits. You've got the quiet beginning build-up bit, and then you've got the famous da-da-da, mm. right? And you have to use these appropriately, because mm. the first bit you use for sort of thinking, creepy, sneaky bits, and for bits where maybe action is going to start. And then you yes. use the big bit for when he's kicking someone's ass or when there's explosions and all kinds of other things. I've got a note written down here that says every time Bond enters the shot, the theme plays. Yeah, but they use the main loud bit, which is yeah. rarely appropriate for the action that's going on, <laughs> on the screen. So in, in particular, this airport, it's there with the... Big noises, big, and he's just so sort of slowly walking through an airport. It's in so, no way appropriate use of the music whatsoever. And it, it grates on me to this day. They did eventually figure out how to use it appropriately, I think. And it, it was the only film, really, that didn't have a song, isn't it? Yes. All the... the, the it varies. Usually, traditionally, the song is named after the film. Hmm. And they will somehow work the name of the film into the lyrics of the song, <laughs> for better sometimes, or worse effect. Yeah, sometimes very, very ropely. I can't help but feel there must have me- been a meeting where Tina Turner said, what the fuck am I supposed to do with Goldeneye? <laughs> you see, that must have happened. But Dr. No didn't have one. Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me had Nobody Does It Better. And, yeah, that's uh, true. Octopussy had all time high because you can't call a song Octopussy. And you probably shouldn't sing it either. <laughs> so they just came up with different things for that. Anyway, so he gets in a car without asking any questions because someone said, Oh, you, here, here's your car. I do that all the time. It's fine. Don't worry. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, it was a different world back then, wasn't it? It's was the 60s. You could just jump it. Any car would do in the yeah. 60s. Any car, especially in foreign countries. Yeah. And he's British. He's, got, he's armed at least with a British passport, which in those days was the size of a deadly weapon anyway. Made of thick card and you could slap foreigners with it. <laughs> which is the attitude this character is coming from in 1960. It is, isn't it? It is, well. because it, back in the 1960s, we'll, British people still sort of assumed they owned the world. Yeah. That, that was pretty much it. And we were smarter and more sophisticated. And then they brought these films out and that only reinforced it mm. because that's how he treats people. Um, he does have a wonderful little fight with this guy who kills himself. <laughs> it's terrible. It's uh, a terrible fight. It's What's wrong with it? It's okay. Maybe a He lifts his... his leg up and, and he, he oh, basically yeah. gives him a... a yeah, sorry. A, yeah, you're a, right. A boost flying ball and I, I heard this is this is a very normal bond thing it's the the twisty arm flip yes that he does on people it's physically impossible i'm told is it yes um i my father recounted a story of his years at pe college uh there were guys there who were their main uh, focus was wrestling and they spent some time trying to do it to each other and it's impossible to make someone do it. 
you can do it with cooperation because obviously you've seen it in films mm. but you can't flip someone over like that and so every time you see it in a film it looks fun but you know it's not actually being done to her person which i suppose is good in a way it's just a film but you know um yeah you can't do it what i what i love about this fight as well is that he he, he supposedly beats the shit out of this this guy who's trying to attack him and then he picks him up and goes, here you go, do you want a cigarette? That's only the decent thing to do. <laughs> Terribly sorry, old chum. Fancy a fag. I wouldn't have had to have beaten you up and killed you if you hadn't started on me. That's pretty much where it is. <laughs> and then he kills himself because you've got to have a cyanide capsule hidden in a yes. cigarette. I keep one with me at all times. Is cyanide that quick acting, by the way? It must be, mustn't it, I suppose. I can't say I'm a, a very good toxicologist, so uh, I'll let someone else answer that. Well, you can email us, I think, if, if you need that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and eventually, well, where do we go now? He goes to the, the consulate. He goes to the consulate, yeah. which is probably the most awesome building. On all so, of Jamaica, yeah. Oh, um, God. He meets the usual suspects. We get, he gets to meet... Um, not Strangways, is it? Professor Dent, um, who is clearly a bad guy from the word go. I mean, you do see him being bad later under the control of the evil Dr. No, but he's one of those guys where you say you've never played the, a lead in your life because you look evil. <laughs> he looks a bit dodgy as well, doesn't he? Yeah, just straight off the bat. It's like, oh, it was you. Or you were it's the sort of person you'd see it. as the bad guy in a public information film. Yes. I, I'd fear him taking me after school. <laughs> that, that would be where that is. Um, he eventually gets led to Crab Key, which is the island nobody wants to go to. Um, and this is pretty much where it kicks off, really. I mean, the rest is sort of been figuring out that there's something on Crab Key. Uh, we do have the awesome scene with the tarantula. Which oh, yes, is one of those scenes well, that makes me the, think. But, what have I missed? Something? Uh, well, I'm just. I was just about to point out the blatant racism down at the docks, and 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 actually littered throughout this film. Oh yeah, the, the guy who takes him on the boat to the to to the the island. It's just. It's just. It's so blatantly racist. It's, Hang on. Yeah. Cringeworthy. Now, have you ever read the book of this? I have, yes. Not for a long time, but I have read it. I have reasonably recently. And what stood out for me in terms of blatant racism was when he, he was talking about the people who work for Dr. No, uh, who are half Caribbean, half Chinese. I, I, I'm not sure that I'm making the word chiggers up. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it was something sort of fuck me. You wrote that down. Holy oh crap. my god! It was oh. There's just some, you know, and this is the sort of thing uh, that the the books and the stories and these films get uh, criticised for a lot. The film is nothing the, in like the books, as racist as the book. The book is no. Obscene. The books. He is he is an utter utter asshole as well. Yes. Yes, and not is. not so much in the films. You have to try and make the lead character a bit nicer. You wouldn't necessarily care if the guy in the book died all the time. 
that that was the problem. He he's not as charming in the book as he is in the films. Mm. Um, and he's certainly not as racist in the films as he is in the book. And in fact, it 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 is a. I look at it as a relic from an older time when mm. attitudes were different. Um, I think as long as you can look at something that is of this nature in that way, then it it still has a place. Um, it's all, it becomes a bad thing when people start looking at it and thinking that it, well, James Bond's slightly racist. It's okay if I am. Um, you have to realize it was written in the fifties and filmed in the early sixties, and now mm. it's twenty thirteen. Uh, and the same goes for sort of attitudes to women and, and that sort of thing. It, it's a very sticky issue. Like I say, if you want to start an argument in our house, that's one surefire way to get us onto it. Um, because the opposite attitude is, well, it shouldn't be there at all. Mm. Uh, I start, so I think, so what we're going to do, not watch Doctor No again. I've seen it seven times in the last two weeks. <laughs> I, can't, I can't not watch it. Um, so yeah, but it is a bit racist. It really yeah. is. There's there's no doubt about it. Don't be like James Bond or Ian Fleming people. It's it's not nice. I wish I could remember that word that he used. I hope it is what I said because otherwise I've just made up a really racist word. <laughs> um, I'm hoping. I'm just looking for the the Wikipedia page on the novel in the hope that there's a section on racism. <laughs> um. Oh, damn, there isn't reviews. No, there's nothing. I'd have to read the whole thing, and it's very large. Um, I, I've, I've got to say, the, the, there's the whole section after he goes to the dock where he goes to the, the bar. And, um, and in, apart from the fact that the sound quality on, on the copy I watched was shocking, um, the music and everything that's going on around it, I was like, what the hell is happening in this scene? I've no idea. Because they end up catching the photographer who licked the bulb on her camera. Mm-hmm. And then let her go. And had a chat with Felix and had a bit of a chat about what was happening with Dr. No and stuff, and that was it. As far as I could tell, there was no real plot. There isn't really. That's what I th- that's what I think is a little bit slow about sort of the you've got the first sort of act which is okay it's the middle act that it this I mm. think it does lull us a film because it's all about him getting out to Crab Key and then stuff starts happening um you know that's where he's going to meet Ursula Andress that's where the stuff mm. with the the supposed dragon is um and that's sort of the only place where it varies from the book as well. They kept the giant right. squid fight out of it, mm. uh, which I think was a wise decision in 1962. It would look shit now. Um, but yeah, the middle bit of this film does lull quite significantly. There's some fun uh, music in it, though. They got a number there one is. in Jamaica with the song they wrote for the film. Did they? I think that was, that was the little bit of trivia I read. Yeah. Um, jump up. It's fun. Very Harry, Harry Belafonte-esque. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I can't find anything about the racism in the story. In the... Yeah, uh, right, yeah. Um, where are we then? He meets Dr. No eventually, which becomes a sort of... It's a big setup for more than this film, isn't it? Because we find out about Spectre. Mm-hmm. 
which is an actually an acronym for something. It is, yeah. My, my... Uh, I'm seriously uh, perturbed, evil uh, characters. I, I don't know. I don't know what it stands for. I'm trying to make something up, but I, I, I don't know. It's Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge and Extortion. That's a big acronym, isn't it? But that's what they do. To make it clear, you, this is what gets me. They're a terrorist organization with a very well thought out name and a smashing logo. <laughs> you know, they've, done P, they've got PR people involved here. They have. In this. I still think you're cheating with the special using the S and the P on that one. And then counterintelligence, you've hyphenated. Which is, <laughs> you know, I do think the revenge bit of it makes them seem a bit petty. You know, like, well, we're actually doing this for terrorism and extortion for personal gain. But if you've pissed us off, we're going to use it to get back at you as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would have kept the revenge element out of it myself. God, they have a whole Wikipedia page with listing their philosophy and goals, their leadership, where Jeez. we find out about them, special henchmen. Oh, God. Even films they've appeared in. Yeah, here we go. Oh, it's a good little Wikipedia page. I'll link to that at some point. Um, and we haven't really talked about Ursula Andress, have we? We haven't, We've skipped no. over her. We have a bit. We've, we've skipped over the whole middle section where he shoots people and chases people in cars and then arrives on the island blatantly in daytime when it was filmed, but they've tried to make it look like night. Because I don't know many... Um, lighting techniques of the sun and moon that look similar. No, no, <laughs> I'm aware of. But yeah, so so they, they, they get to, they get to the beach and they hide out on this island and this chick in the bikini comes out of the sea with a shell. And bearing in mind they're supposed to be incognito and undercover and not seen on this island. He sees this this lady in a bikini and goes, Oh I think I'll reveal myself. Yeah, I'll get out for, for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I no. could just leave her alone. But am I remembering? I am I remembering right that they spend a lot more time together in the book, uh, and he meets her beforehand? There isn't this great reveal out of the sea, or maybe there's no, more think, stuff. I think after that was this. For, for visual intent, wasn't it? Yeah, um, which works very well. I actually, I don't know how controversial a thing this is to say. I don't think she's the hottest Bond girl. No, I don't either. But at the time. At the time, She was a yeah. model, wasn't she? Yeah. And now she just looks like she's been And all her lines somebody. were dubbed. Yes. That was the other thing. All her lines were dubbed. By the, if you've ever seen the Sid James comedy, God, what was it? I wanted to say Man About the House, but it's not, because that's... Uh, Sid James sitcoms. I'm going to bless this house. She right. plays Sid James's wife in Bless This House. Uh, she's the voice of Ursula Andress in this film. She is Diana Coupland. Have I got that correct? Yeah, good. It is. That's good. That makes me feel good. Because um, Ursula Andress not so hot on the English. They did no. this with a number of people. Goldfinger is dubbed. Yeah. It must have been budgetary requirements. Or or maybe they just looked right. Because, I mean, most of, the, most of the films of the time were ADR'd anyway and dubbed afterwards. So they probably went, 
screw it, let's get someone who looks right, and then we'll just dub them afterwards. Yeah. There's a lot in uh, Thunderball as well, from what I understand. I think Largo's dubbed for most of the film. Wow. So that was common practice. I had no idea that. Um, where are we then? He's met Ursula Andress. So he's met Ursula Andress. Gets, they try and shoot him a bit, and then they go, oh, we must have got him. We had machine guns. And, uh, they are and they... the shittest henchmen in the world, aren't they? <laughs> and then they go through this this swamp that looks like such clear waters in this swamp. I was. Gonna I know say... I'm sounding sounding very negative about this, but I, I, retrospectively, this film is there's so many holes in it. There are absolutely, but not to the point that really ruin it. I mean, no. what, what the things we're picking on are kind of just elements of it being a film made in 1962, yeah. and and if it was made, you know, in if you if even if you got the exact same script today, you would make a much grittier film than this, yeah, uh, working from exactly the same source material. So I can't. It, that's why it doesn't really ruin it for me, but for some reason I I feel I can detach myself from uh, what I'm looking at and concentrate more on what they would have gone for given the opportunity to do so. Again, mark it up. That's what you learn from watching original series Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, it looks awful, but it was made in the 60s, so that was the yeah. best they could do. And you have to just play along with it. It's, it makes it more kind of let's pretend time, but it's what we've got, so you go with it. I will say, though, that, that for... Like you're saying, they would remake it grittier today, and but he kills a lot of people in this. Like he doesn't knock them on the back of the head to knock them out. He kills them. Oh yeah, he drowns them. He shoots them. He breaks their neck. Pushes them off cliffs. He's a cold-hearted bastard. He really is. You know, he's the hero who kills, and there aren't many of those, if any others. You know, I can't really think of any you know main hero that has a body count behind him like james bond unless i suppose you get into the whole rambo or something like that that sort of thing you know if the guy who goes and kills an army you know they were big superhuman soldiers type things weren't they so yeah that's not what james bond is he's he's cold-hearted he's just a machine to some degree which, again, is played up more in the Daniel Craig ones than it is with any of the others, but you see elements of that in Sean Connery. Yeah. You know, I think that the the meanest one in this one, I think, is when he kills uh, the uh, God, Dr. Scientist from earlier, who comes to, you know, when he's... Uh, uh, the, the guy who comes to kill him in the night and empties yes. his gun onto the bed. And he sits in, and he just shoots him dead from across the room after a conversation. There's yeah. no struggle or fight. It's it's very cold-hearted, and that's one that's part of the attraction of the character for me. It's just dark. Um. So, yeah, but you're right. The uh, the swamp is clear. I've been to a swamp, and I wouldn't have gotten it. Uh, please excuse me for one second. Alison is calling. I have to take the call. This is awful. Sorry. Okay. Hey there. Yeah, we're just recording. It's okay. Done it. Okay. See you. Love you too. Bye. 
Sorry, oh, that was nice. Nice insight into your relationship. It is. She was calling to remind me to feed Barkley because <laughs> he, he'll let himself go hungry. He won't bug you for food at all. No, that's that's all he does actually. Rub this or put some food in this. That's that's his two <laughs> communications. Uh, pretty much. Where were we? Sorry, I've lost my train of thought now. So. So they've gone through the swamp. They've survived uh, another search party by breathing through through some bamboo yeah. and hiding underwater, and then they just hang out for a bit. You know, they're they're on a dangerous island, surrounded by enemies, but they decide to sort of sit down and have a chat and let the black guy be the lookout. Well, you've got to rest. And, well, yes, yeah, you got to you got to rest after all that washing in crystal clear water. Yeah. And then, and then the, uh, the 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 guy comes back and says, "Oh, there's look, you've got to come and see this. That's sort of about a mile away that we've got to run to." And they go through some more swamps, the man- mangrove swamps, I think it is. Yeah. And uh, and they see the dragon. That I thought was the silliest bit because it comes from <laughs> miles away, ever so ever so slowly, yeah. and it kills the guy. And you just think, get out the fucking way. It's, yeah, it's, and and he just let him get toasted. Yeah, um, it was a sad moment. Um, it was. I again a, a, a moment that I thought was actually better written than mm. filmed. It, it was especially because it looked like a tractor with a flamethrower on the front. Yeah, you can. How did anyone ever think that was a fucking dragon? Um, and 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 he get they get captured, and he could have just turned around and run away. Well, it's lucky that he didn't, because he had to survive the radiation, though, didn't he? Ah, oh, he did. You're that's right. That's the thing. They needed a shower, because yeah. that's what solves radiation. A good and scrub this, with this yard is, brushes. This scene is so... This is, this is probably the one scene that Austin Powers had the most fun with when they did Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery, going down the conveyor belt in the showers and stuff yeah. after he thawed out. Because it's almost exactly the same as this. Oh, without a doubt, it's it's this bit. Um, it's yeah, it's great. Um, and like I say, it proves all you need to survive radiation is a damn good hot shower. <laughs> that that will work just fine. Um, they have quite an impressive sort of hotel complex under there, don't they? They do, and I love that the nurses offer him a cigarette. Yes, that doesn't happen very often, does it? Certainly didn't happen for me when I was in hospital. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they do drug them and knock them out, though. So yes. there is that element of it. After giving him some smashing brown. You know, there's a, there's a few there's a few bits <laughs> smashing for Charles. Yeah. There's a few bits in this film where I, you know, like the getting poisoned by the uh, by the coffee and stuff. Where I've just gone, he's a shit spy. He really is. How has he survived this long? Let's drink this coffee and get drugged. Nothing, nothing possibly could go wrong in this secret underground nuclear site where they have the most luxurious apartments possible. I feel bad for him because I feel that his plan enter because it's kind of like welcome to the the weird underground hotel. You're gonna go and have dinner with Doctor No later, but for now we're gonna drug you just so you you shut up. I think his intention was to eat breakfast and spend the afternoon banging Ursula Andress. And <laughs> kind of feel bad for him that that is just not on the cards because he's drugged that just seems unfair it'd be one thing if she knocked him back but she probably wasn't gonna 
God, they, I understand now why women hate these films. I, I hate how it makes me talk. It brings out the... <laughs> it brings out such a weird side in you. It really does. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I think the the very... I felt it, first of all, doing this when we, when I said Bond Girl. Like, it's very objective. It Obje- is. But oh, sorry, no, It's kind of what they're called, though, isn't it? Yeah. I, I get they, it. They're known as the Bond Girls. It's, it's, it's sort of a... It's sort of the job. The job is being a Bond girl. It's become accepted. Yeah. And I, it's okay, but it feels at this point a little bit like... It, it, you know, it, being in support of it as a concept feels like I'm making also making an argument for them to keep page three in the sun. It's like, I, I don't really want to be seen arguing for it. You know, if it's upsetting people, then maybe stop. Mm. But at the same time, I'm I'm not going to not look at it. You know, <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's weird. It's weird. So, so they go along and and they're invited to have dinner with Doctor No, and uh, they walk into this other luxurious bit of the apartment complex that's underground, with the massive fish in in the tank, and they meet Doctor No, and. Uh, they 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 sit down for a meal again, and uh, Bond is offered a drink, his famous drink, but stirred, not shaken. Yeah. Or, and, or uh, isn't it a Bollinger at this point? Oh, it might or, be. Sorry, uh, yeah. A Dom Perignon fifty three. And then he says, uh, "Oh, just wine for the lady." Yeah. She can't. She can't possibly have anything else. Or make her own decision in any way at all. I, and then I, they bring these drinks, and he just drinks it. He's just been drugged by coffee, and then he's offered <laughs> another drink. He's like, yeah, sure, why not? Can't yeah. possibly drug me twice. There is also the other, other element of, there's Dr. No, get up and stab him a lot with your fork. <laughs> he's this but, no, little as, old guy. As, as they're walking to, uh, to the dinner table, though, there's this, this brilliant moment on the, on the stairs where he looks at this painting. It's a really, really odd shot when you, when you watch the film now, but at the time, and I found this out from the, um, I think it was the behind-the-scenes documentary, but that was, uh, I think it was a, a Rembrandt that had been stolen recently around the time that um, the film was, was being filmed. And All they right. went, oh, let's, let's stick that in there as if it's Doctor No who's stolen this art. Oh, I like that idea. That's, that's nice. Yeah. So it's it's cool of the time, but makes absolutely no sense now. Right, I will watch out for that. That it doesn't ring a bell, but I'll I'll keep an eye out for it. He gives it a look and, and a little eyebrow raise as he walks up the little flight of stairs to the dinner table. Right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll see it. I'll see it. Um, Doctor knows beef is that he has metal hands, isn't it? Yeah, metal hand syndrome. Yeah, he's just the little old guy with metal hands in a little see-through bubble at the end of the film. I'd be pissed off if I were Doctor No as well. I can't even remember what it is he's trying to do in this now. I've I've blanked. No, is it's, it, oh. is it a kill everyone? How can we get this far? It's something to do with like, the dock, isn't it? The dock like later on, the dock explodes as he escapes. 
Now, this is a phenomenon I've noticed with the Bond films since I've been... I, I feel like in the last couple of years I've come to enjoy them even more and be more yeah. interested in them than I ever was before. And it's kind of occurred to me that although I've seen all of them many, many times, I can't tell you what the bad guy is trying to do in most, if not all of them. I can remember scenes from the film, dialogue, plot, uh, the way the film unfolds, where the fight takes place at the end, everything. But it always seems that, in most cases, the actual aim of the bad guy is kind of irrelevant. Mm. You just know he wants to do a bad thing, and it's James Bond's job to stop him doing the bad thing, and he probably Mm. will right at the last minute, just just up to the point where the bad guy realizes he's going to fuck it all up. And that's what happens in Doctor No. Doctor No wants to do a bad thing. James Bond will stop him. The strange thing is, as well, that I, after I watched the film, and I was making all these notes. I went, "What? What is? What is the story? What is the story?" So I had to go back and write a synopsis of the film. And it's basically all starts with the um, the radioactive coral, doesn't it? Yeah. And then he goes and sees a coral ex- expert. Who says that it's it's nuclear and the island is is where the nuclear rocks come from and um and it's uh, Doctor No is making a nuclear reactor on this island to to make a a, a nuclear rocket to send and and destroy someone right. and that's why there's this secret base. I mean, seriously, but, um, I've watched this film several times in the last couple of weeks. And the aim of Doctor No has just escaped me. Completely and totally. <laughs> and, you know, let me see which ones I can remember. Goldfinger, he wants to... Well, he's got the bomb for Fort Knox, hasn't he? To yeah. It's Fort Knox with Goldfinger, isn't it? Yeah. Thunderball is... Oh, that's extortion <sighs> with the stolen nuclear missiles. Like well, basic, they they all they all follow a similar plot except for Tomorrow Never Dies, because Tomorrow Never Dies is the only one where someone's trying to start a war to make their newspapers sell more. Yeah, all the others, it's blow something up, kill everyone, killing varying numbers of people, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think Octopussy Stephen Burkoff tries to start a war. That one, yeah, he does. But that escaped me until a couple of weeks ago. It's weird. Spy who loved me, no idea. I've seen these films like 40 <laughs> times each. Honestly, I can't sit here and claim to have not put in work or research, because honestly, so many times, it's gone from my brain. can't be relevant. Maybe that speaks to both how good these films are and how bad these films are. Yeah, maybe. That clearly... They're not that well written because their details are forgettable. But at the same time, I love them so much regardless of yeah. anything that's wrong. You'll always them. watch them when they're on, mm. won't you? If, you? if you just turn on the telly and they're on on a Saturday afternoon, you're like, yeah, I'll watch that. Absolutely. It's a brilliant film. Of course I'll watch it. Yeah. Unless you're Alison. Or maybe any other girl. Ladies really don't like these films, you know. They really don't like this, these films. Well, the earlier ones, let's say. I'm, I'm, the later ones. 
I'm fine. Quite enjoyable. Yeah, I kind of feel like they just hate the earlier ones more than they hate the later ones, but they don't at any point not hate them. Okay. Although that said, and she'll argue with this, at the end of Skyfall, Alison turns to me and went, "Wow, that was awesome." She'll deny that to her death from now on. <laughs> but she really did say that, so they they are fun. It was my I remember my mum getting me to watch these. When they were on TV. Oh, watch a James Bond film. You'll like these. Maybe it's maybe it's because she was a Maybe they're just boy older. films. I, I think oh, they're they're just... Yeah. They, they definitely are boy films, without a doubt. It's cars and explosions and getting the girl and being cool and beating people up. There's no doubt these are boy films. No doubt about it. But I, and anyway, so so he's had dinner with Doctor No, and he he manages to escape his cell after he's been taken back to the cell. The girls disappear at this point, um, and he escapes from the cell and ends up in the nuclear control chamber. And I love the production design of this because everything in here that you need to know that's important is spelled out in big letters. Yeah, <laughs> there's a big scale that goes from zero to fifty. And at 25, there's a massive arrow that says danger level. Yeah. It, it's all very well signposted. And, and there's lots of people in inflatable suits. Are they radiation suits, aren't they? I think they're supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, those see-through so, radiation suits. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Bond cranks it up to danger level and beyond because he wants to make a nuclear explosion... In, in the bunker that he's in. Right, which doesn't strike me as a good idea. No, not really. We, well, we're forgetting the, the, the bit where we find out just how nails he is when, he, when he's escaping from cap- captivity. Oh, yeah, um, of course. Which, again, in the book is, is performed as a sort of, they are literally testing him, uh, and that you, you read about people observing his progress all the way through just to see how he copes with it. But he yeah. gets through, like, the electrified uh, little gr- uh, grate on the, the air conditioning. Yeah. Um, the heating of the, the pipe as he's crawling through it, the water that runs through. Um, and that's what it's when he comes out of the pipe, I believe, that he fights the giant squid in the book. I ah, seem right. to remember. Um, obviously, yeah, you leave that out of the film. Because uh, otherwise <laughs> it looks like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And that's when we... we Catches up to Doctor No. Um, then it becomes essentially the end of Austin Powers' uh, International Man of Mystery. Yeah. He, he ends up having a ruck with Doctor No, doesn't he? In, in the nuclear bunker that's about to overload. Yeah. Which is almost silly because, like I've said, he is a little old man. You at no yeah. point think you could beat up Sean Connery despite having metal hands, which seem to be working against you right now anyway. You know, it <laughs> oh, he needs a good magnet, and he's disabled. Exactly, he's screwed. Then, or a bit of rust. Maybe you can get him with WD forty. I don't know. That would seem to be how it goes. Uh, while this is happening, we have Ursula Andress at the peril of all these the rising tide and the the dead crabs. The dead crabs <laughs> that aren't moving. No, um, as I understand, they were frozen. Yeah. They're meant to yeah, be they... looking like they're eating her, because that was it. She was going to be eaten by the crabs. 
at Crab Key. But in in the film, they, they got some crabs in. They'd been frozen, so they just sort of sat there and did nothing. They still freak me I, out, though. I hate crabs. I've got to say, these, some of these sets are amazing, though. The design of them. Oh, without a like, doubt. Who came, whoever came up with them uh, uh, is brilliant. I think part of you, why these films are so uh, enduring is because they do look spectacular. Hmm. You know, there there aren't many films or series of films that have had to have their own soundstage built and left there. True. Well, we'll get to that story in a later episode. I'll, I've got a few little stories throughout the series that I can throw in. Awesome. Cool. So anyway, he rescues the girl and they run outside and they realise that the whole place is about to blow up. And uh, loads of people are running for their lives and jumping into the sea to swim to the mainland. And Bond and Ursula Andress manage to find the last boat off the island by the looks of things and uh, jump on it and beat a few people up just, just before the whole place explodes. That's the best time to do it. It's the most exciting. Yeah. And it kind of just ends here, doesn't it? He's, am I right in thinking he's picked up by the plane that... No, that's Thunderball. No, no, he, he, he's on the, on the boat that conveniently has broken down with Ursula Andress, and so they have a little lay down, a bit of a cuddle, and then uh, he's rescued by the Royal Navy. Awesome. Bless the Navy. And, and Felix Leiter. Brilliant. Though I should point out that they're flying a merchant navy flag. Oh, no, they're not. No, they're not. Sorry. I thought it was a merchant navy flag on the back of the boat. It's, not, it's a proper Royal Navy flag. I'm not but then they're, they're being towed. They decide not to get on board the boat. They, they'll be towed behind. And it's a, a very typical Bond moment starting here where he unties the tow rope so that they're left floating in the middle of the, the sea so they can have a bit of nookie. Yeah, it does. It generally happens. I do enjoy the, the later Roger Moore keeping the British end up. Uh, I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. Many others like that. Because we have to make it obvious he's with a lady. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. I, feel, I always feel a nice bit of relief for him at that point. It's like, yeah, you deserve that. You worked hard. Crawled through that tunnel and everything, didn't you? It's, it's, it's yeah. Such an enjoyable film for so little that happens. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. It's difficult to argue with and say a lot happens, because it really doesn't. Um, but it, it's great. I love this film, you know. It's it's difficult to not enjoy it. I've got, I've, it, it is difficult not to enjoy it, but I would say it's probably not my favourite of the Conneries. And in fact, maybe of the official Bonds, I I might even go as far as to say it's in my bottom three of ones I would pick out of a shelf to watch. Really? Um, yeah. It's, it's not my favourite Connery one. Um, but I don't know that it'd be in the bottom three. I don't know, because I definitely... Yeah, because I wouldn't pick out Die Another Day or Moonraker or... No, Connery. I'm, I'm oh, sp- Connery. Specifically Connery. Hmm. Well, Diamonds Are Forever is a worse one, perhaps. I do enjoy Goldfinger the most, I think. And it's from, always the one I go to. Yeah. From Russia with Love as well. Yeah, that is that is one of the 
I kind of think that's one of the best ones from Russia with Love. It's definitely better than Doctor No. Yeah, I kind of see where you're coming from. It just through a process. Doctor No, of... Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball's a bit weak, and I, I didn't really like that one. Uh, you only live twice. Also, fantastically racist that one. <laughs> Diamonds of Forever, and then Never Say Never Again, which I didn't really count. Yeah, Diamonds of Forever wasn't a good one. So it's in the lower half. So one, two, three, four, five, six. So yeah, it's just below par for me, I think. Yeah, I see. I, I couldn't argue with that, really. You've convinced me that's where it goes. Yeah. Anyway, then. So that was Dr. No. It was. I feel good about God, that. God, that went quickly. Did it? It was, that was a no, long show. No, it didn't. It, 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 well, it's, it's been about an hour, but it just feel, it felt like it, it flew by. Good. That's good. That means it was fun. Yeah. And there are some people still left in the chat room. So that, that's always good. I love how you just see them drop off one by one. Sod you then. Fine. Um, so thank you for listening, everybody. If you want to... No, let's not have an email. This is a recorded show, so it's not like a podcast. Um, no. We'll just say we'll be back next time with an, with from Russia with Love, if you want to go and watch that ahead of time, because we will be spoilering. I we think. will be. Um, I think we have to. We can't talk about it without it. No. So uh, go and watch that film now. Get it on Blu-ray or get it on DVD. It's an awesome set of films to own, really. Or just go and watch Sky Movies 007. It reminds me Constantly. of me. Yeah. Just leave it on and upset your wife or girlfriend. That's how it goes. So thank you for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.